All right. You know, I love to always talk about how times are changing, right? Well, here's a, here's a great joke that you, Ari, sent to me a while ago, and I, I liked it a lot. It's about the changing nature of how math is taught in schools. So they give an example of a math problem, a word problem, back as it was taught in 1956. Okay, ready? Here it is. A logger sells a truckload of lumber for $100. His cost of production is four-fifths of the price. What is his profit? Right? Okay, pretty straightforward. Uh, if you're in fourth grade, you kind of figure this out pretty quickly. All right. Teaching that same problem in 1976, 20 years later. A logger sells a truckload of lumber for $100. His cost of production is four-fifths of the price, or $80. <laughs> what is his profit? <laughs> All right. Then, 10 years later, teaching math in 1986. A logger sells a truckload of lumber for $100. His cost of production is $80. Did he make a profit? Yes or no? <laughs> all right, teaching math in... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's pretty funny. Uh, all right, teaching math in 1996. It gets worse. <laughs> all right, a logger sells a truckload of lumber for $100. His cost of production is $80, and his profit is $20. Your assignment? Underline the number 20. <laughs> All right, 10 years later, no, 20 years later, teaching math in 2016, a logger cuts down a beautiful uh, forest because he is selfish and inconsiderate and cares nothing for the habitat of animals or the preservation of our, wall, of our woodlands. He does this so that he can make a profit of $20. The bastard. What do you think of this way of making a living? Topic for class participation after answering the question. How do the birds and squirrels feel as the logger cut down their homes? <laughs> there are no wrong answers, by the way. Feel free to express your feelings, e.g. anger, anxiety, inadequacy, helplessness, and so on. Should you require debriefing at conclusion of exam, there are counselors available to assist you adjust back into the real world. Ah, oh, man. You know, it's, and I love this joke. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard not to. Uh, okay, so get a hold of yourself, man. If, it's hard not to love this joke for so many reasons, but it also shows us how things change, right? It, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's a parody of sorts, but is it that far off from the truth? I don't think so. And the way we are slowly being cooked in that boiling water, you know, with the, like the frog uh, example. I don't know if it's actually true, by the way, but it's, it's, it's a good metaphor. We are slowly and slowly, uh, you know, getting uh, boiled alive without realizing it because they, they're always turning up the heat just a little bit more. And we've gotten used to it. And that's the way it is uh, in the changing times that we have. And it, it's emblematic, I think, because of the way we now look at the Democratic Party. I mean, if you were to look at the Democratic Party today, a young person today learning about the Democratic Party, let's say he's 12 or 13 years old, and his parents are Democrats, and he views them as they are today, right? They are the party of, uh, you know, oh, supposedly they take care of minorities, supposedly they take care of the homeless, supposedly they, they, they you know, distribute welfare, supposedly they, they fight against um, uh, anti-Muslim hate and so on. But they're not the party for, for Israel, Right? This is the way that they understand it. But things have really changed in the Democratic Party, haven't they? 
I mean, and, and, and this is what I love about talking about it because it's, it's all the way back to the notion of the party, the politics of identity politics, I guess, right? You know how that they're always fascinated by skin color, by gender, by sexuality for that matter, right? It's, and, and to a lesser extent, religion. They're, they're, that's all they're about and all they ever have been about for, the, for quite a few decades now, but it's gotten more and more brazen over the years because they've abandoned any sense of America's greatness, for one thing. John Kennedy at least had that notion, right? They've abandoned any sense of wanting to help the economy because they, cer they certainly haven't done anything to that effect, right? They've, they've, they've really abandoned it all. Now, so, so why is it so? Why do they focus so much on identity? And I put it to you, Ari, that it's because they have literally nothing else. So take Joe Blow, for example, and just anybody. Uh, he, he has nothing in his life in terms of his values, right? All he really cares about is, um, you know, he, he has a job. Um, he has a family, maybe. Um, he likes to grab some beers with his friends and, and watch his sports. But, and, and that's all good and well. I'm not mocking that. But in terms of what animates him, in, in terms of how he moves forward in his life and what excites him, uh, you know, for, for the future. Like you and I have a sense of God. We have a sense of conservatism. We have a, certainly have a sense of liberty and America. Yeah, those are the things we have in life. Yeah. And, and because we have those things in life, it makes our life worthwhile and all these other things that we're interested in become relevant. Right. Yeah, so, so for example, if I were to tell you, now that we've established this, if I were to tell you that it really is important, you know, whether or not, um, I don't know, we, we fight for a certain kind of mosquito, um, you'd say... Big fuck, oh, you know what? <laughs> BFD, right. Yes, children, you should... <laughs> the preceding program was extremely <laughs> violent and uh, unpleasant and should, children, not have, should not have been listened to by younger right. viewers and listeners. Anyway, the point... <laughs> It's like a science, <laughs> Simpsons episode. I was going to say, don't talk like Krusty the Clown. <laughs> right. All right. But the point is that if you focused on, if I asked you to suddenly care so much about this mosquito, you'd say, I don't know. I, that's not really important to me. It's not meaningful to me at all. But if you had nothing else going on in your life, no other focus, Christianity, Judaism, Jesus, God, uh, America, liberty, Israel, whatever it might be, all those things we just mentioned, that may very well play for you as something to fight for, as, as ridiculous as I just made it, this, this uh, unique sort of mosquito. And that suddenly you're giving and, and contributing to these organizations that fight for this mosquito because they fooled you. But even if it's true, let's say there is a, a danger to this mosquito, but, but your, your whole animation is, is somehow there. And that's my point, is that when you have nothing else going on in your life, if you have no ability to identify for anything significant like uh, liberty, America, Israel, Christianity, Judaism, and a whole host of other very meaningful things, let's say abortion rights, that might be a very good example, that are animated, or once upon a time, anti-slavery, right? And even today, <laughs> anti-slavery. Or anti-oil pipelines through some far-off right. land. Or, or, or the fight for uh, women's rights in uh, Muslim countries. For example, that's, that's a good fight to have, right? Because you're, you're fighting for the end of that evil. But if you don't have that sense, then you look around and you say, who am I? What am I? 
And you can say, well, the, the, the clear differentiating factor for you is, well, I'm black and he's white and he's Latino and, you know, and, and I'm, and then other definitions like, well, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm heterosexual, he's homosexual, he's bi, and, and, and that person is transgender. We're going to make that all part of our identities. That's the way we identify ourselves. It's weird, but that's, that's all they have. So no wonder they get all animated about this thing. And you and I and other people who are conservative or religious, especially those who are religious, we're left scratching our heads saying, what does that have to do with anything? Why should we divide the world, uh, and it is dividing the world, between black and white and Latino and Eskimo and Asian for that matter. Why? It doesn't make sense. Why don't we talk about those who believe, who are of faith and those who are not of faith, for example. And, and the divisions maybe that, that lie between the radical Muslims and those who are not radical Muslims. Okay, that's, those are legitimate things to, to talk about. But I, I'm just always surprised. Like, why would this be part of your identity? Do you really wake up in the morning as you're shaving, let's say, and say, I'm Ari David, white man? You know, you don't do that. You just say, I'm Ari David. What, how can I advance the world? How can I do God's work today, right? And in fact... I mean, we, we've made this as a um, as kind of a litmus test for ourselves. We kind of noticed it about ourselves once, right? And I, I asked you quite, quite plainly, I said, Ari, what would you rather be in? A room full of white men who are about your age, who are in the social media space, let's say, and uh, who, uh, who belong to, you know, this or that sports club that you happen to, to join in? I don't know. And, and maybe like the same kind of foods, all right? That kind of, that kind of group, let's say 100 of those guys, or a room full of people that are completely different than you from, from, the, from the looks of things. Uh, some are black, some are Hispanic, some are purple, some are green, whatever. Some are women, some are gay, some are bi, some are interested in uh, fishing, some are interested in hockey, whatever. They're, they're just very disparate sorts of people. But the one thing they do have in common with you is that they all are conservative and they all love America. Which would you rather be in? And the answer came very easily to you, and as it would to me, and I think to most of our listeners, that of course you would rather be in the room full of the people who share the same values as you do. And surprise, that's all that matters is your values. It's not about your skin color. That's why we, we are scratching our heads, my liberal friends. Those, those among you who, who are liberal, you know, we, we just don't understand you. You think in those terms, we don't. We think in terms of values and always have. And, and so when you talk about the white American, the black American, and you know, there's, there's racism rampant and all that stuff, that's your, your, your mishigas. That's your craziness, as we say in Yiddish. You've created this fantasy this division that we don't understand. We don't speak that language. So when you talk about Trump, for example, and we're going to get into this in a, in a moment, that there is a rise of, of racial tension and there, there's a lot of more hate crime because of Trump, we, that, that does not compute for us. And putting aside the fact that it's actually not true, it just doesn't make sense to us. Why, why do I say that? Because... <laughs> What I, what I just said is that we don't divide along those lines. So you think that race-hating is somehow conservative. Well, that's, that's the, the, the boogeyman that you put into your own brain. You've decided to characterize it that way, 
And you've gone afield, you know, far afield with that. You've run with it. But it ain't true. We, we, we don't give a crap about this stuff. In fact, racism is, is anti-conservative. It makes no sense to us. All we care about is, what do you believe? What, do, we, do we care about, about liberty? Do we care about America? Do we care about the advancement of God? If you do, we don't care. We're, we're all embracing. If, if I were to, you know, look, I, I married somebody who was Jewish. A lovely woman. She's beautiful. Everything is great. You know, but truth be told, I couldn't care less whether she, what her skin color was or anything else, so long as we both had a core thing in common. It was very important to me that my wife be Jewish. But what, if she had converted to Judaism, it wouldn't have made a difference. Black or, or Eskimo or Asian, or I don't care. What, what, what does it matter, right? I mean, it, God wants us to, to mix up anyway. So if anything, if I met a, a Jewish woman who, who was Japanese by birth, let's say, I'd say, great. In some way, it's even more appealing, but only, only because it's different and everything else and the genes are different and all that, and it's healthy for the children. But my God, I mean, where did you come up with this nonsense? Now, I told you I was going to get a little bit into the, uh, to the hate crime, but you wanted to add another well, point. Well, I, I think just the, the, there's an amazing clear point to make, which is we are absolutely bewildered by That's a great word. We are bewildered. bewildered yeah. by our political adversaries' obsession with race and complete lack of obsession with values. Right, and sexuality. What, well, when know. I say race, or, you know, I should say uh, oh, whatever that all-encompassing identity groupism. politics. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're bewildered by it. Yeah, and and it and it's a it's an interesting kind of conundrum here because. On the one hand, we're completely bewildered by that, and then we're bewildered by the complete lack of, uh, of care about values. Because if they cared about values, but they were obsessed with race, well, they'd be at least halfway towards yeah. the correct answer. The fact that both of those switches are in the wrong position with these people is mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah, how do you how do you claim you're not racist and then all you're obsessed with is race? How do you claim you're not sexist <laughs> yeah. and all you're obsessed with is gender or now lack of gender right. or assignment of gender? But, I, I, a great meme that was going around the internet is where are all these um, feminists obsessed with female issues now that transgenderism is so in vogue? Aren't they violating oh, that yeah. set of values? That's, that's right. It's uh, but it but it wouldn't be a matter. It would not matter at all. How obsessed they were with these things if they just cared about the 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 distinction between good and evil. Yeah, it, it would not matter at all. Then they would address it on a case by case uh, basis instead of focusing entirely on somebody's race, as if somehow that that is the the way to compartmentalize things. I mean, look, we, we do this all the time when we organize our lives, right? You can you can choose to organize your life your lives, photos or otherwise, in whatever way you want, right? Some are more efficient and, for that matter, more accurate than others, right? You have a filing cabinet. You don't just say, uh, stuff I did in 2016, <laughs> stuff I did in 2015, and something like that. That would be a bad way to organize your, your, your life, right? Hard to find the receipts that right, way. Right, exactly right. And I'm not even ta talking about taxes. I'm just whatever you, whatever you did, photos yeah. and, and, and writings and uh, letters that you may have had with other people. You get the, the idea, emails. But, but then if you... You, you think about it, well, how about correspondence? Okay, well, that's, that's a, another way of doing it. But maybe you want to do it with correspondence, you know, business, and then correspondence personal and such. And suddenly you realize, okay, that's a, maybe a better way of doing it. 
But the Democrats, going back now to their identity politics, they've compartmentalized life in, in the first more absurd way, which is, well, we'll just group all these people together and they're all blacks and they must all think the same because, you know, they're all black. And likewise, for the white people, this is what, you know, this is who they are. And by the way, they should all apologize for all the horrible slavery and, and Jim Crow type behavior they've engaged in over the past few hundred years, right? And, and this is the way Jews think, and this is the way, I mean, it's, it's such an absurd way to categorize the, the, the issues of the day. But they do it. That's, that's what makes them feel good. That's, it's easy for them. It's simplistic. They're the ones who, who think that we're, stum- we're stupid. But it takes hard work, my friends, to differentiate based upon values. And this is why, this is why, wait for it, we're seeing the death of the Democratic Party. Okay? We just had uh, the, the speech from Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, uh, with the, the joint session of Congress. It's not quite the State of the Union address, but it, it, it sure it feels like, like it. One. It looks like it. It smells yeah. like one and so on. It might as well be one. Right. And it was so elegant. It was so persuasive. It was so, it hit all the right chords. Even Democrats admitted how wonderful it was. Van Jones, a, you know, famed communist uh, and, and supporter of Obama, had to admit that this made Trump look presidential. He was, he, he became the president. He liked what Trump had to say. And I'm not talking about the greatness of Donald Trump right now. I'm simply saying that I think that they glommed onto him. They admitted that he, it was a great speech precisely because it was about values. And they are empty. They, they have nothing. The, the Democrats have nothing. All they've been doing and peddling is race politics and, and dividing the world accordingly and uh, finding that there is nothing to it. It's, it is truly an empty ideology. There's nothing. And, and I think that people are finding this out. And to their chagrin, they're saying, what are we, where do we go from here? And I think Roger Simon from PJ Media, he wrote an excellent article exactly on this point about the death of uh, the Democratic Party. And it's the beginning of the end at the very least. They have to truly reinvent themselves at this point because, look, it's not just a, the cycles of the presidential elections. It's, it was such a broad sweep in 2016 it wasn't just Trump. It, was, it wasn't just the, the Congress and the Senate that uh, suffered a lot of blows within the Democratic Party, but also the, all the legislatures of all the states in the United States. And there's a new article showing that all of the states, except for one, are leaning more and more conservative. All of them. Except for Alaska, believe it or not, <laughs> right? Perhaps because they saw that more people are coming to Alaska for opportunity because Alaska actually is, has a pretty decent economy. That's kind of typical of what happens. And also states that are that conservative don't stay that conservative right. in that category of deep red forever. They become a little pinker without going blue, of course. Right. He's not, you know? It's not going to go blue. Yeah. But it, it, it's such a marginal thing. It's one, mm-hmm. one example. It's a, it's a small state population-wise, at least. And the 49 other states turning more conservative. Including California, by Including the way. California. And, and this is the power of such things. So often, Democrats and leftists and liberals only get little, little spots or squirts of conservative ideas filtered through their own media, whether right. it's the editing of the conservative speaker that they show mm-hmm. or the interpretation of conservatism as filtered through a commentator like Rachel Maddow or Andrew Sullivan or whoever. Yeah. But last, you know, on this speech, 
by Trump, they got an hour on live TV of one conservative idea after another. Concept, setup, explanation, follow through on it. Yeah. And the reason it resonated is because, you know how we so often say, most of the people on the left want the same things we do. They just go about it a different way. I know we say that, but it's not right. But for the last Republican administration, the Bush administration, the W. Bush administration, the one before that, the H.W. administration, the last two Republican presidents before Trump were terrible explainers of conservatism. We have not had a guy explain conservatism this clearly in 30 or 29 years, to be very precise. Right. And as a result, all these liberal people heard this, and it's like seeing a rainbow for the first time and going, wow, that's pretty. I, I ne- never knew that I ne- existed. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yes. That's the difference. And, and here, was, here was Trump you know, offering uh, an ideology that, that made sense, first of all. It was logical. And I think people resonated to it because it, it was something. It was something to glom onto. It was something people want to glom onto values. People want to believe in something. And the Democratic Party has been the party of nothing. It, it's a, a belief in nothing at the very least. Oh, they'll tell you, you know, we believe in fairness. We believe in, in uh, equality. We believe in social justice. I know that. You know, we're, we're no dummies. We, we get that that's what they claim to want. But these are nothing ideologies. You can't, you can't hold on to them. You can't pin them down. They're like jello on the wall, right? You might as well try to pin that on the wall. <laughs> you might as well say, I'm for goodness. I, I'm for nice things. I, I, I want, I'm for peace. Okay, but <laughs> how do you get that peace? And, and what values animate you toward that peace? Okay, it's, it's not good enough to simply want everyone to like each other. There, there was a perfect example of but, but that. that. But you see what I'm saying? Hold, oh, yeah. hold, hold on. Sure. It's, a, it's about hunger. Yes. People are hungry for these values. And they have found the Democratic Party wanting in that department. And then they see, and, and it was such a good, I mean, you pointed this out, Ari. They see all the, the sea of Democratic, um, Democrat senators and congressmen and women sitting on their hands during very important parts of the speech as if to protest. But protest what? You know, our, our, I mean, all these, these great economic programs about building infrastructure and such, why would you protest that? What's the point? And, and America is watching, my friends, and all they see is that you are doing nothing. We, we are in a mess, whether you realize it or not. We are in a racial mess created and, and stoked a lot more by one president, former President Obama. And we are in a far worse possession inter, internationally than we ever were, thanks again to one former president named Obama. Uh, and economically, we're, we're worse off in every way. So... You know, it's no, it's no um, surprise that Democrats, liberals, are, are looking toward this and saying, what have we done? Why are we, why are we even focusing on the same old identity politics that clearly have not worked? You can only hope to wipe out the memories of so many people. See, but this is what the Democrats think that they can do. They think that, like, the they're the men in black, black. Yeah. yeah, with a little stick where they, you, you can forget everything that happened in the, in the prior five minutes, uh, right? So, and then just reteach them, reeducate them. That's, that's their way of approaching you, the average citizen. That's why they don't like history. That's why they don't want to spread the idea of liberty. They want you to th- completely think in a different way. 
Now, listen, my hat's off to the Democrats from a pure power point of view. I mean, the, the fact that they could do this, which you know, fights against the, the core human hunger for values. I mean, that's, that's amazing to me. And you know how they did it? They, they went about it by, fighting, you know, by presenting a different core human value, which is security, a notion that you don't have to work, that will just give you stuff. That's, that's very, very powerful. It's not a good human quality, but that's what they focused on. And that's why they were able to get so many people. But at the end of the day, people are, are, you know, have to respond to the classic Ronald Reagan question. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? And for that matter, we can now ask, are you better off now than you were 40 in the past? 40 days ago. 40 days ago, yeah. exactly right. Uh, or, or even eight years ago. I mean, there's just, there's no way to, to quantify it any other way. Look, this president, he's, he's, he makes funny tweets. Sometimes he's a little goofy. But I got to tell you, he's got a mission. And people like a man with a mission. Yeah, can I also, uh, there, there are two points I want to make about what you just said, but I want to start with something that we've talked about on this podcast and you've talked about in your Sunday show. And it's something I've brought up to you that we've been working on and expanding for several years, which is the idea of how small and petty Obama's presidency and Obama and the Democrats' vision for America was. And last night, finally, we had a president talking about, as you love to say, the conversations we should be oh, having. Yes, right. He was talking about how, how do we all get closer to God? How do we all get closer and more value-filled in our communities? How do we explore outer space and go to faraway worlds and derive wonderful innovation from those explorations? Yeah. How do we tap into the, the hunger and the human spirit to constantly improve ourselves and learn? Wow. Right. You wow, know, and, and Democrat voters, forget the elected officials, the voters were responding to that going, oh my God, I've been living in a shell. I could have had a V8, right. <laughs> and now I'm getting a V8 that's full right. of vegetables, by the way. Yes. But I want to make two points that I think are completely emblematic of what you're talking about. The first point had to do with the guy who gave the rebuttal, some guy from Kentucky. I don't even know his name. It's irrelevant. But he made this point regarding his rebuttal to Obamacare. Uh, or Trump's position on Obamacare. He basically said, if our Republicans get their way, there'll be fewer people insured than there are today. Right. Okay, now, in an apples to apples world, that sounds horrible. But let's not forget, what does Obamacare do? It compels everyone to buy something, whether they want something or not. Right. Thus, if you repeal this regulation that promulgates the purchase of something, there might be a couple people out there who choose under their own volition to not buy the product. Yeah. yeah. So Surprise. you might yeah. need to dig a little deeper to make that Seven. square that circle. But, but they never want you to dig deeper. Oh, of course. And, and I like what you said about the pettiness. I mean, we had a podcast a few weeks ago now called The Petty Presidency. And I, I think a lot of people resonated to that. And, but it was so emblematic of it. it. It was truly the Obama presidency, of course, we're talking about. It was about, it was nothing. It was, it was a presidency in search of itself. It doesn't, he didn't even know why he was a leader. Um, so, so he went about, you know, doing crazy things. I mean, this healthcare business, that was his signature thing, which now looks like it might be unraveled. Hopefully we'll, we'll wait and see about that. But even if it succeeded somehow, this would be what you would hang your hat on? Yeah. Right. And not not the defeat. Not putting a man on the moon within a decade. Right. <laughs> Health insurance right. that doesn't necessarily mean you get a good doctor. Right. It's just a piece of paper yeah. that says you're insured. And you had eight years, and you and and this is all you came up with. <laughs> right. Right. 
<laughs> which is and it, you're bragging about yeah, this. Yeah, it's a disaster in every sense. <laughs> even if it survives, you know, going forward. Right. Um, so, but but yeah. Ronald Reagan had you know the, the end of the the Cold War and of course complete revamping of the tax code. And, and so many other great things. And 40 years of prosperity because of him. Yeah, that's I right. I mean, it, a, an economy so robust that eight years of Obama couldn't wipe us out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, wow. It and then the, the other point I wanted to make, again, it's an apples to apples, stay ignorant, my friends, kind of thing Democrats do, is a lot of people are commenting, comparing it to State of the Unions over the last eight years, where Republicans did not cheer on every applause line from Obama. And they point to the Democrats the other night and says, well, they weren't uh, applauding, but, you know, Republicans weren't applauding Obama. As if not applauding at a given applaud line is the the correct analysis of such things. Right. Rather than looking at what the applause line was right. and seeing whether or not applause was um, the appropriate response to such things. Right. Well, it's, it's the content of what you're applauding to. Yes. Uh, that, that's all you're so saying, when, and I think when, you're right. So when... Trump says we're going to destroy radical Islamic terrorism, which would think would be a bipartisan issue here. And you see the entire Democrat caucus sitting on their hands. Yes, that, that was That's amazing. a party that's morally bankrupt. When you see Trump saying, and we want to make sure we reindustrialize America and have jobs for the middle class. And they're sitting on their hands. Oh, it was so, it was so weird. I uh, mean, it, it was, it was these are bad issues mind to blown. choose to, to boycott. Yeah, that's right. It's not about just who, who claps more, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit like saying, okay, well, uh, this man makes more money than this man. And, but we forget to, of course, that one of them is John Gotti, right? <laughs> He's right. a mafioso. You know, that he, his receipt of monies was ill-gotten. It was a bad way to get money, right? We don't celebrate him, you understand. <laughs> it's a seed for the Simpsons. It truly yeah. is. Yeah, it, 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 it's really quite bizarre. So, look, but, the, but this is the way they measure things, right? You know, the, the same way they identify um, somebody's, uh, somebody's uh, whoever somebody is by way of their, their race, their, their class, and their sexuality, for example, uh, it's, it's no surprise then that they will also judge you based upon whether or not you've got an applause, regardless of what the content was, right? So, I mean, your points were really good about the fight against radical Islamic terrorism and improving the middle class. Why wouldn't you, I, I mean, I think you're, you're destined to have to clap for that. There were like, and it wasn't just two. But, it but, was but, like 30 of them. But, but of totally common sense things that I understand. anyone should be I, able to agree on. I understand. But and, and let me just finish up your point, yes. which is that by contrast, if, if Obama were to say, and it is high time for universal health care and such like that, well, a Republican will, will correctly say that that's not what resonates for me. And I ain't clapping for that because why would I? I mean, that goes against every core of my, 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 my being, every fiber of my being, I guess they call it. But you, it shouldn't be that it goes against the, every fiber of your being when you uh, want to elevate the, the middle class and when you want to uh, snuff out something as horrible as radical Islamic terrorism, which is a true threat. But, but the only, I mean, the same thing with the global warming. I mean, you're, you're so right about it. They, they focus on the, the applause as opposed to well, the content. And that's the same thing with the, the, the identity politics. And, and I ask you a question, a very simple question, and I throw this out to, my, to our listeners as well. Why not? Because there are other things that are clear identity politics, right? I mean, we talk about skin color and sexuality and such, but why, why not whether you're left-handed or right-handed, okay? 
I mean, that's an identity that everyone has. About 4%, hold on, 4% of the population is left-handed. Well, I, right? And they suffer. I, no, I have, to, I have to interrupt you right there. I'm not letting you get away with this. <laughs> Do you realize that right-handers, right-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball are paid three-quarters of a dollar what every left-handed pitcher makes? Bastards. Do you, do you of see course, this? no, I understand because they want that surprise <laughs> element as a left-handed pitcher. Well, there are fewer of them, yeah, and they're they're better yeah, at doing their job. No, but it, <laughs> when you're a batter and you you have a left-handed pitcher uh, pitching to you, it, it throws you off, right? right? So, but I, you I can make that. the argument that right-handers <laughs> are right. underpaid. Would you stick with me on this? Okay. I am. Sticking Most with people you. are not. In the professional baseball arena, okay? Really? Yes, it, as it turns out. <laughs> so it only affects maybe 150 <laughs> people in the country? Something like that. You mean as few as our actual transgenders? Okay, so, so listen. <laughs> Left-handed people, they really suffer. Think about yes. it. Okay, and, and by the way, President Obama was a left-handed yeah. person. Um, French doors. Well, uh, put that aside. The way people shift. write. Come on, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. The way people write. You know how difficult it is for a right-handed person to write, you know, from from left to right. It's a it's a real challenge. There's a reason, by the way, why why English reads from left to right and Hebrew, for example, reads from right to left. I wonder if you know the answer. I don't. All right. Well, it's it's a it, okay. The, the 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 reason, by the way, is that all languages are written for right-handed people. And you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, how can that be? You know, on the one hand, Hebrew reads from uh, right to left and and then English from left to right. And for that matter, all modern-day languages do so. And all ancient languages read from right to left. And yet it's all for this for right-handed people? How so? The answer, answer is because of the way we wrote our languages back then and the way we write our languages today. Let's focus on today. If you, if you write with uh, a pen today... And you want to avoid what? Smudging. Ink on your hands. There you go. So the best way to do that is this way. That's right. From, from left to right. Left to right. And, and if you're a right-handed person, of course. And again, all languages are designed for right-handed people. And the, the percentage of right-handed people have always been the same. So it's not, the answer is not there were a lot of left-handed people back in the old days. No. The, and how do they write? What was the main way of writing? back in the days of uh, the Israelites and so on? I have no idea. Chiseled in stone. Okay, now, you're a right-handed person, Ari. Yeah. Now chisel away. Just use your hands. Which way is easier? I don't you're know. It's both, it's both really no, hard no. both ways. It's, if you're a right-handed person, you put the, 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 ha the hammer or whatever part, the, the hammering part on... From the right side. Oh, because you can't see what you're chiseling if you're hammering. No, but it's just not much more natural to go like this. Oh, okay. So from right to left. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, that was an interesting side story. I hope that was amusing to our listeners. Anyway, the point is, frankly, I don't I remember the point anymore. <laughs> no, I do. Left-handed people, right? They are suffering from, a, from today's writing, right? They're smudging their hands all the They're time. They're suffering from ancient patriarchy is what you're telling <laughs> no, us. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah ancient no, 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 traditions no, no, no. Okay, of patriarchy. Okay, there's, there's more. Okay, try to buy scissors. If you're a left-handed person, nope, it's very difficult, work. right? Try to buy so, golf clubs. Not going to Good work. example. Uh, very hard to get that. And what about just screwing? It's something as simple as screwing in a, a, um, 
you know, screw a screw or into, a light bulb. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a real challenge. It's designed. For, everything is designed for right-handed people. There are left-handed scissors. There are right-hand, left-handed things for other other devices, but it's a challenge. But but no one's clamoring for them. But they're suffering. Why why don't we care about these the the the, the rights of left-handed people? And in fact, by the way, I mean you may think we're joking. A lot of people historically have been, uh, you know, discriminated against precisely because they're left-handed, right? They, they've had all sorts of problems in their lives. They were assumed to be people of the devil, right? And 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 a lot of our listeners are old enough to know that when they were in elementary school and you wrote with your left hand, your teacher would swap, you know, swap you with your whatever a ruler, uh, which is just terrible for the mindset of a child, right? And it actually totally screws you up. So. Uh, why don't we have some sort of government program from them? We don't. But there, and there are a lot of other things that we might as well have identity politics for. I mean, why don't we have politics for, for shorter people? Or they, the bald. Yeah, good, good point. The bald people. Neither of us are bald, thank goodness. But nevertheless, you know, they're discriminated against. They don't get, uh, you know, a bald man doesn't get as much action uh, than, than a, a man with hair does, right? I mean, ask any woman. They'll tell you that they kind of... You know, they hate to sound shallow, but they'd rather not be with a bald man and so on, right? They don't care if he's a little bit overweight, by the way, but if he's bald, well, you know, we, we can't have any of that. Anyway, but you get the idea. It's, I mean, why not? Good. It's a great example. Bald men, they suffer. <laughs> Short men, they suffer, right? But do we have all sorts of government programs for them? Yeah, it's curious. You know, we've, we bring up this example all the time, but why isn't there an affirmative action program for the Vietnamese and Jewish people to get into the NBA. Yeah, oh, that's a great idea. That's a great point. I mean, why? Just because they're taller and more athletic than us, they deserve to play in the league? Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, and first of all, I mean, it's rampant racism. I mean, if, if you only look at the numbers, of course, we know that it's not. But the NBA is, uh, what, what percentage is black? 90, it's probably 90. 95. 90 percent. But yeah. it's probably, we jokingly say it's 99% black. It just it yeah. simply is, you know, there's a lot more black people who have the genetic qualities of incredible athleticism and the incredible height, height needed yeah. to play that and game. Mostly the height, <laughs> right? And it's, um, talk about disparate impact, right? <laughs> I mean, but, but nobody talks, says a word about these things. Or talks about how unfair it is. Right. But, but, but think about all the other ways that you can engage in identity politics. Why is it that we focus, and this is my main point here, why is it that we focus on race and sexuality? Because we are obsessed with sexuality. People, it, it's, a, it's a gimme from the Democratic Party because they offer the promise of greater sex. Right? If you offer that free sex in whatever form you want to talk about, whether it's free condoms or ab- abortion upon demand, that's all about sexuality, isn't it? Uh, then, and, and uh, you know, loose cultural norms such as the yoga pants and that we talk about from time to time, people will, will gravitate toward that because sex is a very strong impulse. Left-handedness or right-handedness, you know, it doesn't really motivate very many people. That's right. Left-handers right. getting a leg up and a hand out <laughs> right. do not result in the um, creation of more Democrat voters. <laughs> but, um, but, but but you're yeah, appealing but, to I'm, a... I'm finishing, let me finish yeah. your point because I think it's this circle needs to be squared. Mm-hmm. But if you engage in what you think is consequence-free sexual activity in all of the forms the Democrat Party pushes it. 
it results in one way or another in more Democrat voters. I see. Whether it's the unwanted pregnancy, whether it's, a per, whether it's young people who are exposed to sexual um, content at too young of an age and they lose their innocence too early, one way or another, all of those morality-defeating strategies result in You're more so Democrats right. so giving right. leg up to, and excuse me, handouts to mm-hmm. left-handers does not. Yeah, that, it's a really great point. Uh, and it's appealing to a prurient interest. Right, it's left-handedness is, is, appeals to nothing. Uh, but if you're telling, it's it's both the promise of, uh, well, it's appealing to an identity that you have, whether it's let's say gay or bisexual or whatever, transgender, and also the promise at the same time of of more of it, more sexuality, right? And and I mean the AIDS crisis, for example, which which hit in the '80s. I remember I, I go to college at Stanford. And I'm all excited because I hear, you know, it's going to be a lot of great stuff. I'm going to have a lot of action, a lot of girls. And that's exactly when the AIDS crisis hits, right? And nobody is touching nobody at that point. When does the scare end, you ask? Exactly when I graduate from college. It was that part, putting that, that humor aside, uh, the AIDS crisis, what they, what they dared not say was that this was a predominantly homosexual affliction. And I'm, I'm not talking about that this is, this is God's wrath or anything else like that. I'm simply saying as a reality that this was something that was predominantly within the homosexual community. And, and uh, caused, like it or not, and like it or not. by one, a very, very specific activity right. within the homosexual community that not every homosexual engages in. Right. And, and it didn't affect lesbians. Right. Right. By definition. Yes. So it was because of that kind of activity that, that the disease was rampant. And putting that aside, I mean, there are, there are diseases that largely afflict Jews, like Tysex uh, disease, right? Between Ashkenazi Jews in particular, there's a risk that they have of this one disease. Nobody else has this risk, but, but Ashkenazi Jews do. Uh, but, but they didn't want to, to touch that because that would suggest a diminishing the activity of homosexuality. And they didn't want that, okay? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying here, that, you know, that... That somehow that terrible things are, are, are you know, that homosexuals deserved terrible things in their lives. Far from it, but I am saying that that this the, the push against connecting homosexual behavior and that specific kind of homosexual behavior and the the rampant spread of AIDS and that it was largely confined only to those people. Uh, to to deny that was emblematic of what we're talking about, which is to. Uh, to, to take away the suppression of sexuality. On the contrary, they want to, they want to increase sexuality. Right. And, and, uh, and we're even seeing it now with, with the, the, younger, the younger crowd, the, the idea that you should reduce the cons- age of consent down in some cases to 13, which is so obscene. But go ahead. Well, and it, it touches two of the um, Democrat model points. Um, the first is make sex ideation, imagery, activity as prevalent as possible. Right. Everywhere you can. Spread it like glory throughout the land, right? (laughs) And then the other thing is let's never, unless we absolutely have to, ever call anything what it is what it is. So true. Let's use as much inaccurate labeling as possible throughout the land 
Because God forbid any of us ever say completely unvarnished truths, which is why you come to things like last night's rebuttal saying, if Obamacare is repealed, fewer people will have health yeah, insurance yeah. I want to move without up. any Right. Further. I want to move on to our next topic, uh, but I'll finish up this thing. You know, so they, they focus on two different things, right? The sexuality on the one hand and the uh, color of your skin on the other. And they are appealing to two very, very different things, but nevertheless, two base things. One is sexuality, like we said. The other one, when it comes to race, is victimhood, right? The notion, more importantly, that you are not responsible for your success or failures in life, that you have been put down by racism, that there's a long historical divide that has caused you to suffer. That sort of history, they will teach you in school because that's worthy of that and because that, that pushes an agenda for them. That's right. the only history they'll yeah. teach you. And that has another interesting connection, too, which is primitive instincts of tribalism. Because the more tribal you can get a person to think of themselves in relation to others, yep. the more you can appeal to their emotion without letting them have a moment to uh, assimilate things intellectually. Okay. So they're less likely to make clear decisions. Now, now, now we're going to move on to uh, a somewhat related topic, but still a different topic all the same. And that is uh, what I hinted at before, that there's this rise of um, hate crimes in America. Now, first of all, <clears throat> there's a big question as to whether that's actually true. Um, and more specifically, people are talking about a supposed rise in anti-Semitism. We spoke about this a couple of podcasts ago. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that, uh, you know, an observation that I've made. One is... If there is a rise in, in anti-Semitism, uh, hate crimes in particular, and if any sort of hate crime that is, then we know two things. One is that if a hate crime or some sort of you know, uh, Islamic crime is, is created by a radical Muslim, the press will do what it can to suppress the name of that individual every time, okay, until it's absolutely certain that that's the case. Right? Guaranteed. Uh, and when they're confronted with it, then they, even then they claim not to know what the motive was. Never mind whether he says Alu Akbar and he wants to kill everyone and all the infidels and such like that. <laughs> they still can't see the motivation. Uh, the other thing we know is that if it is a white person who is engaged in this hate crime or this horrific crime, for example, that schmuck who killed uh, some, some black Christians. Dylan yeah, Roof. Dylan Roof. Yes. Then immediately they, they, they throw out the name. With no the issue picture. there. With, With the a picture, picture, we're all good to go here, right? <laughs> Nothing to see here, folks. And, and as you point out offline, and the, um, the writing immediately, for some reason, magically becomes active voice. Yes, that's right. right? He did this, and it's terrible things. None of this allegedly a... sort of happened, maybe <laughs> yeah, kind of sort of it, this. You yeah, know. And, and not to minimize what he did. What he did was horrific, of course, but it was one person, and I'm, we're, we're pointing out. The, the, the disparity, because if it's an Arabic-sounding name, a Muslim name, they are not going to release that until they absolutely have to, and and then they'll question the motives, and then they'll and then the first thing they worry about, of course, is the anti-Muslim backlash, yeah. right? No, no. When when Dylan Roof did what he did, which is horrific, of course, no one said, well, we we wonder what's going to happen to the uh, you know the anti. Uh, white backlash, right? Well, right. how will the white community deal with this hurt? That's right. right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> are they afraid now? You know, Black Lives Matter. Are they going to, you know, retaliate and that sort of thing? It, 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 there's not a nary discussion about that. Of course, nor, nor should that be because neither are legitimate discussions to have. 
<clears throat> so, so, so the facts on the ground are, right now, as we speak, is that virtually no discussion has been made as to the, to the identity of these perpetrators of these hate crimes. Putting aside whether or not the hate crimes are, are happening more frequently now following Trump's uh, election versus before. We don't even know that. And, and frankly, we, it's, it's not even clear at all. I think that's what the Democrats want to believe. But let's say, that, let's say that's true. Let's say there's an increase. We do know that the media is not actually naming names. But trust us, if it were a white person doing it in the name of Christianity or the KKK or the Nazis or whatever, what have you, any sort of, sort of supremacy whatsoever, their names would be out there. And the fact that their names are not out there suggests something else, right? Okay. So it's not a fair assumption. Now, if, in fact, there's a broad swath of new hate crimes going on uh, with swastikas uh, you know, painted on churches or synagogues, or uh, tombstones being uh, toppled over and such like that. It's horrible, I agree. But, we, but don't tell me, don't make the assumption that is done by white supremacists when you don't have any evidence to that fact. Nor, nor should we make the assumption that's done by radical Muslims or uh, lefty groups for some reason, um, because that wouldn't be fair either. But I, I, they, they want to make that connection in your head, and it's utterly false. Okay, don't be fooled, folks. Just because they're... they're pointing it out there like that, it's, it's just not right. Okay, so ask the question, have they proven who has done it? All right? Causal connection is everything. Now, you wanted to say a certain point. Um, it had to do with um, that whether it's Muslim or blacks, they cover it up. Um, and it doesn't just happen with whether or not the crime occurs, it happens whether they categorize it. Right. White woman is set on fire by black goons in Mississippi, and it takes them, the authorities, because the authorities do it too, because they have a, a cover-your-butt uh, kind of attitude too, because they know what the media will do to them. And they take several days to figure out if a hate crime occurred, and then they just sort of quietly let go, no, no hate crime occurred. Right. The... Um, I don't remember whether or not this one turned into one, but I, I think they actually had to charge them with a hate crime, was that Facebook live broadcast of the Chicago four teenagers who took a, a mentally disabled or handicapped mm -hmm. person yes, hostage and tortured him on Facebook live. I think the authorities couldn't get away from that one. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It was right. a little visible. No, but it's over and over again in the wake of Ferguson and Baltimore, these horrific attacks on whites happened, and they would never categorize them as hate crimes. Right. Well, so, and, and then it also begs the question as to what, what are these hate crimes? Are, um, there's there's, there's a crimes against Jews. There's crimes against blacks. There's crimes against uh, Muslims to some extent. There's crimes against whites, right? So, and then you have to ask, okay, what, what appears to be a, a hate crime may not be a hate crime at all. It may just simply be that one white guy happens to be in a fight with a black guy or one black guy uh, you know, steals some, something from a white guy's car or, you know, destroys it. Does that mean that he's doing it for hate of whites or vice versa for that matter? Maybe he's just stealing stuff. Yeah, there's been a whole bunch of mosque burnings. Yeah. And a lot of times there'll be a swastika or something painted on there before it burns and as it's burned, whatever. The burning happens. Then it turns out someone involved in the mosque was trying to collect the insurance. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and, and there was a lot of fake 
uh, hate crimes as well, yeah, designed it, to, to to perpetuate this sort of belief. You know, you know who did that, by the way, Charles Manson. He was hoping for a race war. That's right. Between blacks and whites, and he wanted to basically suggest that the the Tate and the LaBianca murders were committed by blacks who hated whites. Right, Black Panther types. Yes, exactly yes. right. And and he was going to tell. I mean, forgive my phrasing, but he was going to he was going to show. Uh, he used a, an offensive word. Uh, so I wanted to say, show, we'll call, it's called, say Bob. <laughs> we'll show Bob how to do it, right? That's what he was saying. And it was, uh, I mean, it was so racial. It was so racist in and of itself. People forget about the racist nature of Charles Manson. He wasn't just crazy. He was also wildly racist. And uh, he hated blacks, of course, and he wanted the, the war to start already. And he was helping them to see how to do it, Right. As if, as if anybody needs how to, to, to show how to kill somebody. Yeah, lovely but, hippie people, these hippies Oh, yeah, they, they were, they lovely were really hippies. wonderful. Yeah. And, and this, but the same, I mean, obviously it's not murder we're talking about, but there were these two liberal students in uh, Notre Dame who were clearly liberals, and they painted swastikas and go Trump slogans by graffiti on a, uh, a church in Notre Dame, in the Notre Dame University. And it was all big charade. Of course, they wanted to show the world what's going on, right? In a, in a way to almost encourage this so that they can say, what a horrible world we live in. The world couldn't be racist fast enough for them. They wanted it so badly. They wanted to make that connection between Trump on the one hand and it's racism on the other because that's what they've been told. This is what their professors have told them. This is what their teachers have told them. This is what their parents have told them, that those, those damn conservatives are so racist and then Silence. It's not happening. So we'll make it happen. We'll show them how to do it, just like Charles Manson did. Yeah, and, and in the modern media world, of course, the media shows up, broadcasts the story, the initial impression of it. A few days later, when the evidence becomes clear, very few people actually read the reprint of the story and the corrections. Yes, of course. So the rumor is circling the globe yeah. Orbit after orbit, story after story, and 90% of them are nonsense. Yeah. Muslims getting their hijabs ripped off. Right. Turns out the subway story. Their, that's yeah, right. That's right. Over and over again. Yeah. All big lies. Are, yeah. And they're all bastards yeah, for doing I'm, it. It's, it's so horrific. It's the worst. It's worse than, than engaging in the hate crime itself. Right. And the reason that's important to say, because some people react in horror. What? That's worse than, let's just say, take the worst kind of thing, a lynching? Well, with a lynching, it's a, a real one. Let's right. just say there's a real KKK guy who really lynches a, uh, a modern-day Medgar Evers or uh, no, no, whatever. But make it, apple, it no, make it apples to apples. I'm uh, making it uh, apples No, 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 you're not. Make it apples to apples in the sense of the hijab woman, for example, in the subway, okay? Let's imagine that Someone actually, actually, gets actually a, doing do, Just truly apples to apples. That these t three guys surround her, white guys, and they taunt her with anti-Islamic uh, you know, epithets. And they tease her and maybe even beat her up a little bit. And then they go off versus her faking the whole thing. Yeah. Who is worse? The answer is she is worse for faking it. That's right. That's but I want to explain That's the why reason I say apples why. To apples. And we're talking about with the same media coverage, everything. Right. Because if the same media coverage and it actually happens, well, now society has been informed about some people who need to be taken care of, taken off the street, imprisoned, punished, all that other things. People will be rightly made aware 
that there are people capable of this. They'll be on their guard, and it'll all be what's called reasonable concern about a real, real event, right. rather than a phobia for a non-real well, event, which is irrational concern, which causes you to modify your behavior for no reason, right. and it causes, if you will, those those primitive tribal instincts of people to be aroused for no good reason at all. Right. Well, it, it, put it another example. It's like cra- yelling a fire in a crowded theater, right? right. If you, it, and there is no fire in the one example, um, and everyone's running out, and you've caused them all sorts of terror, um, and people are stomping over each other and, and hurting each other, and, and terrible things are happening. Uh, and as opposed to a real fire where the exact same things happen, but at least you know that it's based upon reality. And, and she's creating a false world, and it's a libel upon a whole group to make them feel a certain way and to act a certain way, just like you said. That, that's libelous. It's wrong. But that's what we're facing in this country because they can't wait to, to allege that Trump is the, the racist that they always wanted him to be, to be, the racist that they truly believe him to be, but it just ain't happening for them. And they need their identity politics. And by golly, if they can't get it, if they can't get it fairly, they'll get it unfairly. They'll cheat for it. And that's exactly what you're seeing sadly, in, the, in this world from the Democrats. And that's exactly why the Democrats are faltering, why they will fail, and why the, the, the whole Democratic Party is, is faltering right now. What they, what they are looking for is that, is that they are looking for values, and the Democratic Party is not providing it to them. And that, my friend, is to their own expense and to their own demise. We'll talk with you next week.